Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Welcome to CBS Audio's Eye on Veterans. I'm your host, Phil Briggs. I'm a Navy veteran. And every week, I get a chance to look at the issues of the day through the eyes of my fellow military vets. Now, sometimes we get a military veteran expert in here to talk about the issues in the news. And other times, we'll talk about the issues that uniquely affect veterans. But I tell you, every episode will bring you fascinating guests with incredible stories to share. My goal every week is simple. Bring you something informative and something that will inspire the hell out of you. This is the news and stories about the veteran lifestyle. This is Eye on Veterans. All right, the first part of today's show I never anticipated doing uh, when we wrote and started to produce it a week ago. But the events of Wednesday afternoon uh, were shocking. And uh, this week marked a very dark day in our American history. What went from a political rally... And people just showing up expressing their First Amendment rights in Washington, D.C. quickly turned to chaos and carnage. We've all seen the pictures and heard the stories about how they stormed the Senate chambers and they stormed through the House, sitting in offices, stealing artifacts, defacing the very seat of our government. But sadly, as I get to work on the show this morning, there's even a debate about who they are. Many people are saying that the Trump supporters were not the ones breaking into the Capitol. And in fact, well, it was Antifa. Well, it was all these other anarchist groups. But what I'm finding more and more as I peel back the layers and I look into Twitter is that there is a common thread that runs through some of this that is basically the essence of this show. And there are a lot of veterans that have been caught up in this radicalization movement. So I reached out to my colleague. He's a former ranger former SF guy, and uh, he's a colleague of mine at ConnectingVets.com, writer, reporter, Jack Murphy. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Dude, thank you for coming back on. Um, I turn to you for all things conspiracy theory and uh, all things combat veteran. And, man, I I wish we weren't talking about this today. What did you think of what you saw yesterday on the Capitol? 
Man, it was uh, pandemonium, but it was not unexpected by any means. Uh, we have had a, a president who has amped up his base um, for a long time. I mean, he, he has lied uh, repeatedly from his office for years. He has refused to denounce the QAnon conspiracy. He told the Proud Boys to stand by. And in the last several months, he has lied to his supporters that the election was stolen from him. Um, so there's a number of different things that kind of uh, flow together and combine with one another that make uh, an outbreak like this, an, a, a miniature insurrection, if you will, on the Capitol yesterday, almost inevitable. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by emboldened radical left Democrats, which is what they're doing. And this is where I want to take a maybe an exit ramp from a political discussion, but talk to the very heart of what this show is about. And that's the veteran involvement in things like this and uh, the nature of veterans. And mm-hmm. first, I want to cite to everybody listening, you know, you know, a thing or two um, about some combat related veteran because, you know, you are a former Ranger, former Green Beret. Uh, you know, you were SF and you know all about um, uh, the mindset of a lot of your brothers. Uh, out there and specifically I'd like to chat a little bit about an article you published last year and I I never thought we'd be talking about this again certainly not in this context but you wrote a really interesting piece called um, analysis uh, for some military veterans QAnon conspiracies offer comfort and belonging and I really never thought we'd be tying this to the national news and certainly something of such historical significance as a riot that overtook the US Capitol but share with me a little bit about QAnon and why you think maybe it's involved in what we witnessed yesterday. Sure. Uh, so it's, it's a bit complicated, but to boil it down, uh, QAnon is a cult uh, that advocates a conspiracy theory, uh, a conspiracy theory that our government is run by a deep state consisting of uh, Satanist pedophiles. Um, the, the conspiracy is that Donald Trump is, is sort of this messianic figure who is being supported by the military and is going to, you know, essentially uh, arrest all of the perverts and pedophiles and bring up, bring about this, uh, this big moment, um, this moment of truth and justice. Um, and this cult comes with a, a whole a series of verbiage, its own lingo. Um, they call this moment the storm. Uh, they, they call their movement this great awakening. I'm... And they take their their marching orders, if you will, from an anonymous message board poster that they call Q. Um, Q posts, he posts these, he never speaks directly, he posts these little haikus. And the QAnon people read those, and then they go through a process, they call it baking the loaves, um, where they're, which means they're just trying to, they're deciphering these breadcrumbs. Right, to try to put things together. It, the entire QAnon conspiracy, is, some people think it was designed by professional puzzle makers um, because it's designed in a way that it invites user participation, that if you're a part of this cult, you get to participate, you get to play a role in the narrative framework in connecting these dots. Uh, those dots <laughs> are probably not actually connected in real life, um, but it forms uh, an alternate reality game that people can participate in, and it's very exciting for them. And that sounds like some shit straight out of a movie. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Talk to me a little bit about 
why the veteran is susceptible to being involved in this or in your estimation, why you think veterans are joining, you know, these ranks uh, by the thousands. Yeah, I, I've noted with some dismay that quite a few veterans are involved in QAnon, uh, including special operations veterans. And, and this includes also uh, colonels and generals. Um, so it, it's it, it's across the board. There is a problem in our community. And I think that veterans are particularly vulnerable because when they leave the military, they lose their sense of community, um, their sense of belonging, and their sense of personal identity. Uh, this is something that we've talked about, Phil, and many others have talked about, you know, veterans going through that transitional experience and how challenging it is. Mm. And QAnon fills that void in so many ways. It offers that belonging, that sense of camaraderie, uh, that sense of having a shared experience. And it also casts the members of it as heroes. They are the valiant heroes, the, the revolutionaries who are fighting back against the, you know, the, literally the most evil thing you can think of, you know, so-called satanic pedophiles uh, running our country from behind the scenes. So that, uh, that sort of bipolar worldview of good versus evil is very alluring to veterans. And you said you've seen it among the people that you know, maybe even guys you served with. Oh yeah, absolutely. I have, um, and it's uh, it's terrible, and uh, it's incredibly difficult to try to deprogram these people or just to try to convince them otherwise. Uh, I haven't had much luck with it, to be you know candid. And probably the last question, but maybe the first one as far as importance. But when you saw what we all witnessed yesterday, you know, rioters storming the Capitol, and I mean, I'm not going to say these were all just First Amendment seekers that wanted to talk about their president. I mean, we saw some people that were just downright criminals um, storming the gates there. Did you see signatures of members of this group? Well, a lot of it can be um, somewhat difficult to distinguish. Um, and so I'm, I'm hesitant to paint with too broad a brush. I think that what you're going to find in this group is that all of them, if they're not uh, if they don't identify as QAnon, that they're going to be adjacent to QAnon, meaning that they will espouse some of the same conspiracy theories, but that they won't necessarily self-identify as being members of the QAnon movement. Um, so you're going to see some real like broad crossover um, with the mega crowd, um, the, the hardcore Trump activists and the QAnon people, almost to the point that they may be indistinguishable. But there are indicators that, yeah, QAnon people, QAnon adherents were there in the crowd. ...yourself because they're not sure who these individuals are, what they present, if they have any firearms or what their intentions are at the moment. They struggle to get the situation under control. You can consider yourself put on notice. All right, welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Phil Briggs, a Navy veteran and a reporter for ConnectingVets.com. And as a reporter's life is, sometimes you try to get ahead of the news cycle. And I thought with this week and the presidential election and the Electoral College verification in Congress, I thought, well, I'll make a segment to help shed some light on the process. What, with senators and representatives standing up and trying to like get in the way of the process and vote against and object to the Electoral College votes. And I, I really thought I'd do a lighthearted piece 
on what jackassery the Electoral College is. But of course, earlier this week on Wednesday, we saw rioters storm the U.S. Capitol, deface the seat of government, and really for a few hours make all of America completely nervous and at the same time ashamed. But I want to dive back into this interview with Congressional Representative from Illinois, Republican Adam Kinzinger. And more than a congressman, he's a U.S. Air Force veteran. Uh, let's chat real quick your thoughts on the efforts of senators and representatives we saw this week to object the certification of electoral votes affirming the presidential election. This seems like it's a procedural ceremonial thing that's just done every four years, and yet a hundred and some guys stood in line to say, hey, no, we're going to object. Yeah, it's, look, I've, this would be my, this would be my third time, like, being in Congress when there's a presidential certification, and I don't even think we're here usually because it's kind of more ceremonial. Um, it's sad, and, you know, there are some people in Congress that I think truly believe they're doing the right thing, and I think there's some that are just truly scared of the political ramifications of not that have at any point, at any form, sworn an allegiance to the Constitution. That's sad, you know, that somebody's going to take their, you know, personal kind of career above that. And, you know, I just think the precedent this sets, and Democrats have done this in the past. We have to be clear about that. But we also, they, they haven't done it in this big of a form. And I think this is only going to create every, a much bigger problem. And, and, you know, the bottom line is people have been misled. They've been told on Twitter by the president, by leaders, uh, that this is the right thing to do and that there was verifiable voter fraud, even though we lost every court case possible. And weird, too, because you are a Republican yourself. It's not like I'm talking to somebody here that wants to see this team, you know, shut out of the end zone here. I mean, you're, <laughs> you'd love to see the Republican maintain control, but, but yeah, it's lunacy. Yeah, it's like, and it's like, at what cost, though, right? Like, you know, yeah, I'm a Republican because I believe in smaller government. I believe a kid born in the inner city should have the same chance as a kid born in, you know, McLean, Virginia. And I believe in a strong defense, strong military. And, you know, we can have differences on all those issues, but... When it comes down to debasing or taking away the faith in the institutions that are the only thing that holds a democracy together, um, there should be no, uh, frankly, I should not be standing alone, and there should be outrage from the Republican side, but there isn't. I think over time people will look back and realize that, but at the moment it's not the case. Let me ask you about that. You and I have both gone through several change of command ceremonies during our time, and that's kind of what I liken this to. You know, one CEO's leaving, we got a new CEO coming on. So why the hell do representatives and senators want to stand and fight for a voter fraud argument for the outgoing CEO? I mean, why are you trying to kiss the old man's ass when he's on the way out? Yeah, look, I think that's a really good question. I think there is this perception, you know, every time that you think that Donald Trump has done something that's going to cost him the election or is going to hit his impact, you know, and it hasn't in over four years. People just eventually start to believe this guy's invincible. And some in Congress actually buy into what he's fighting for and saying. But it, it goes into a real fear. And, you know, people that have, A, not served in the military, but also people that are out here that are old, that have spent their whole life to attain this position, this becomes the end goal of life. And so, Anything that's a threat to you losing power or you losing your position, like I said, I don't think anybody that objects to this will be seen as heroes. Is there any interest among Congress to just do away with this system? Because, again, I'm not a history professor, but it seems to me the Electoral College was made in the 1700s when they thought people in one city would have no idea 
what's going on 200 miles away. So they'll bring in an elector who was basically an old educated white guy who could read. Mm -hmm. And he basically cast the vote for the masses because, well, they were too dumb to figure it out themselves. We have cable TV and smartphones in every pocket. How much longer do you see us needing this electoral college thing? It's stupid, right? Yeah, look, I think we could do without it. I, you know, people can make a strong case for it, which is, you know, it creates, you know, states aren't left out. If, you know, without the Electoral College, people would just basically go campaign in, you know, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, and Dallas. And, and uh, you know, I get that argument, and, you know, it's going to take a constitutional amendment to change it. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of hypocrisy in those that both go after it and defend it, because at any point in their life, they were for it or against it, depending on how that outcome was. I do think there needs to be a comprehensive kind of look at this, because what's obvious now is, you know, the, the complication of this, and I think you were right in your setup, which is, you know, back in the day, you'd get the horse to bring you the newspaper that covered the month kind of thing, right? And it was like three months late. Uh, it's very different than this information age we have now. So, I do think it's worth looking into. I'm not sure if it'll be as simple as doing it away or maybe just switching to each state having a popular vote. That I, you know, I don't know the details of it, but I certainly think it's probably overly complex for the information environment that we live in today. Okay. And last question about voter technology. Um, hear me out on this one, and I just want your thoughts on this. Why don't we have voting machines with, like, 2020, 2021 technology that are like ATMs in every Walmart and Home Depot and give the election season like an entire month and a half to play out. So all you have to do is get to Walmart at one point in time in that month and you can cast your vote with a unique pin or some kind of thing that every voting American gets rather than having to drive across town to some elementary school and present no ID to cast a vote on a machine that's built with 1983 technology. How come we aren't doing that? Yeah, you know, I think you're onto something, and I think I think you know making voting easier is important, and I think making voting um, safe is important, right? We don't want people that are voting for you know somebody else. So I think voter ID actually makes sense, but pairing that with accessibility, you know, we saw with these mail votes, a lot of people voted that never voted before. That's actually a good thing, and it will force everybody to go out and expand the audience they're talking to. You'll quit thinking about just. I'm only going to talk to the people that turn out and vote, and I think it makes it more representative of a democracy. And, you know, obviously there'll be concerns about, you know, whether outside groups can hack it, all that kind of stuff. We can figure that out. But I think the bottom line is the more accessible voting is, the better, and the more safe it is to make sure that only the people that can vote are voting, the better. And maybe this will spur that, but I just, I, I'm fearful that, we're just entrenched in our partisan corners now, and uh, I'm desperately going to try to get out of that for this country. I'm gonna, you know, if I'm the only voice speaking out there, I'll be the only voice. I don't care. Right on. Well, I always appreciate talking to you. If you need somebody to stand at your table and pitch the Walmart, Home Depot kind of idea, yeah. I, I'll be more than happy to join you. But uh, <laughs> it's it's always good to see you on TV. Always good to hear you in my headphones, Congressman Adam Kinzinger from the great state of Illinois. Appreciate your time, sir. You bet, my man. Take care. All right, so that does it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. Now, we'd love to hear from you, so follow us on Twitter at IonVeterans, or you can reach me at PhilBriggsVet. I'm always down to get your hot takes and spicy memes, and I'd love to talk to you every week, so please like and subscribe. 
Hell, even give us a review of the show because the comments and reviews really help us tailor the show to you. Again, I'm Phil Briggs, Navy veteran and reporter with ConnectingVets.com in Washington, D.C. And I look forward to talking to you again on another episode of CBS Audio's Eye on Veterans. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Eye on Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.